It's a crisp autumn morning. You get up early to the sound of your alarm at 5 a.m. The sun hasn't even thought about poking its head up over the mountains. You make yourself a quick breakfast, pour yourself a cup of coffee, and of course, you add a little bit of maple syrup to it. You grab your fly rod and you head up to the mountains for the day for a day of fly fishing. While you're sitting in the river, with the light breeze bustling through the autumn trees and the birds in the air chirping above you and your fly dancing on the surface of the water, you ask yourself, why is it so easy for me to recall the moves of fly fishing, yet it's so difficult for me to recall my science homework? Well, let's talk about that on today's episode of The Science Behind That. Welcome to the science behind that with Atticus Hamilton. Hello everybody and welcome back to the science behind that. I hope you guys are having a great Friday wherever you are in the world. Um, I know I am. It's beautiful here today. Before we get started, I'd like to invite all of you guys to go grab yourself a, a delicious cup of coffee, add a little bit of maple syrup to it. And we're going to get started. So today's episode was actually suggested um, to me today by one of you guys out there. Um, Mike wrote in saying, Hey Atticus, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I've been listening to your show now since last September and I've really quite enjoyed it. Well, Well, thank you, Mike. I would, however, suggest that maybe you turn down the music in the future. That's... Thank you. I... As always, guys, if you ever have any suggestions for things I should add or do to the show, feel free to let me know at thescienceBT at gmail.com. Mike continues to say, So my question is, ever since I was a little kid, I've grown up hunting with my dad, and I was wondering why it's so easy for me to remember how to draw my compound bow, but it's so difficult for me to remember my math homework. Well, Mike, First off, I'm sorry to hear that about math, but on the bright side, you know, math is really difficult. I I didn't like math. I took a calculus class in college, and it wasn't very fun. (laughs) Anyway, so that's a great question, Mike, and uh, hopefully we can address that today. But before we can fully address this question, we need to break down the, the brain into different parts and establish what each part of the brain does and don't worry this you know we're gonna break this down really simply and it's not gonna be as long and as tedious as you guys may think it is Um, and so basically I'm just gonna break down the brain the same way that um, that the MCAT breaks down the brain so Basically, the brain is can be broken down into three different parts. Midbrain, forebrain, and hind, hindbrain. Or, if to say that in order, it'd be forebrain, midbrain, and hindbrain. Um, and so, all the structures that compose the brain then are fall into one of those parts. So, let's start with the forebrain. So, the forebrain includes... Everything in the cerebral hemispheres, and so what I mean by that is the big part of the brain, your frontal cortex, 
your parietal or your frontal lobe, your parietal lobe, your te- temporal lobe, and your occipital lobe. Those uh, those four lobes are all going to be part of the forebrain. And essentially, what the forebrain does is it's primarily responsible for higher level thinking and processing. Now, there is one exception, and that exception is the motor cortex is located snugly in between the frontal lobe and the parietal lobe. And the motor cortex primarily coordinates movement in conjunction with the basal ganglia and some other structures, which we'll talk about later. So um, that's the forebrain. So moving on to the midbrain, which honestly, in this episode, we will talk about all of for zero seconds, except for right now. Midbrain includes the inferior and superior colliculi. And what these little things are, are they're single neurons that manage sensoserimeter reflexes to iconic and echoic stimuli, or echoic and echoic, which is stimuli that is visual and auditory stimuli. And it gives rise to some cranial nerves, and that's about it. Um, additionally, to some extent, it also is involved in, um, in addiction, but that's for another time. And then finally, we have the hindbrain. And so the hindbrain includes the um, cerebellum, medulla oblongata, and reticular formation. And now some of you may be wondering, well, Atticus, what about the, um, you know, the hypothalamus, the thalamus, posterior pituitary, etc.? All of that is included in a category called the diencephalon, which is a subcategory of the forebrain. Um, so basically then, forebrain is higher level processing, but it's also the more rudimentary evolutionary processing. So hormones, um, evolutionary urges, drives, etc. That's where the thalamus, hypothalamus, pituitary, and pineal gland come in. Oh, and sleep. Um, midbrain is mo- muscle coordination, breathing, digestion, general arousal, um, sensoserimeter reflexes, etc. Hindbrain, hindbrain is sole, solely, its sole purpose is muscle control, arousal, and information filtering. And we're going to jump right in there. So I feel like in in science and in education especially, because I don't know about you guys, but all throughout my time um, in school, everyone's always like, you know, told me, well, you know, people learn differently. There are visual learners and there are written learners. That's uh, pretty nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. If you ever hear someone tell you that, that's that's just bad. That's a, that's a big bad for me on that one. Um, now, of course, there are people. People have preferences in in learning format, but I never really liked that explanation of learning because I feel like it assumes that when we learn something, regardless of what it is, it's all stored in the same place, which it's not. And uh, a couple months ago, I think actually maybe a year ago, I did a whole episode on the science of learning. So if you want to hear about that episode, definitely tune into that one. But let's look at this example that um, Mike gave us. So 
when you're learning mathematics, what structures in the brain do you guys think are going to be primarily involved with learning mathematics? And I'm going to pause here while you guys think about that, and I take a sip of coffee. Well, if you guys said the structures in the forebrain, you would be correct. So the frontal lobe is going to be the primary processing center for um, mathematics and for other higher level cognitive processes. Um, and so basically then, the, the frontal lobe is really modern, if you will. It's really advanced. Uh, from an evolutionary perspective. And so because of that, to an extent, it requires a greater degree of rehearsal than maybe information stored in other places. And uh, before we elaborate on this, let's also ask a question. Where do you think the muscle memory of remembering how to draw a bow is stored? If you said the hindbrain, you would also be correct. And specifically in the hindbrain, we're looking at the cerebellum. So the cerebellum is, if, if you have a picture of the human brain on hand, it's the big lobe at the back of the brain underneath it, attached that looks like it's attached to the brain stem. And the cerebellum primarily controls learned muscle coordination learned muscle behavior. So, for example, when you ride a bike, um, you remember how to ride a bike, and that information will be stored in your cerebellum for as long as you live. And this gets into why, you know, you can learn how to ride a bike, and even if you don't pick it up for years, you still know how to ride a bike. The reason is because that's what the cerebellum is designed to do. The synapses that the cerebellum form are, I don't want to say a lot hardier, but they they are. They're, they're hardier than the synapses your frontal lobe and the rest of your brain forms, but also the cerebellum isn't really subject to pruning. And so you may be saying, what's pruning? <laughs> pruning is a process that your brain undergoes where it looks for synapses in the brain that are formed that are not being used, and it basically it snips off those synapses. It, it breaks the connection between those two neurons so they can be used elsewhere. And that doesn't really happen in the cerebellum. That's why once you learn how to walk, you remember how to walk the rest of your life. Um, now, that itself, you know, learning how to walk doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily stored in the cerebellum, but learning how to ride a bike is. Learning how to shoot a bow is. Throw a football is. So, the question really isn't, why is it easier for me to learn math over learning how to ride a bike? Because both take roughly the same amount of time. I'd argue that learning how to ride a bike is probably a little more time-consuming. But the question is, why is it that I remember how to learn to ride, or I remember how to ride a bike for my entire life, whereas math I have to constantly rehearse? 
and it gets down to that concept of pruning. And it also gets into another con- concept, which is um, this repeated, this uh, uh, intentional rehearsal of information where you're studying. It's called long-term potentiation, which is basically you keep recalling these memories of, for example, how to solve a calculus problem or um, a fact about the human body. I don't know, that there are 640 skeletal muscles in the body. If you keep recalling that information over and over and over again, that's called long-term potentiation. And what that does is that basically strengthens the synaptic connections within the brain to make it, one, less likely that they'll be pruned away, and two, easier for you to recall when you need to recall that information. This doesn't really happen with with um, learned motor reflexes like riding a bike or shooting a bow. It happens initially when you're first learning how to do do those things, but after you've learned how to ride a bike, your cerebellum pretty much lear- knows it forever, and you don't really need to um, go through active rehearsal of that information, i.e. study it. That's why you don't really have to study how to ride a bike once you've learned how to ride a bike or how to shoot a bow. And so then, to summarize, ladies and gentlemen, the reason why learning facts needs constant recall, but learning how to shoot a bow or ride a bike doesn't, is because of the two different regions in the brain that they're stored. And so some of you may now be asking, well, Atticus, if the frontal lobe is involved with that, What does the temporal lobe and occipital lobes do? Well, temporal lobes are primarily there to respond to sound. So you hear like someone singing something. The temporal lobes interpret that information and then send that information to the frontal lobe for processing, basically. Well, the temporal lobes process it and they send it to the frontal lobe for interpretation. Then for the occipital lobe, occipital lobe responds to visual input. So you wa- if you're watching a professor in class show you how to do a particular calculus problem, your occipital lobe will process that information and send it to the frontal lobe to be interpreted. And again, it's the frontal lobe that does a majority of our complex level learning and and that complex level learning is pretty much everything that's not motor oriented. So everything that doesn't really involve your muscles. Um, but as, a, as, as we've said, just as a recap, behaviors or activities that involve muscles like how to throw a football, how to play golf, how to ride a bike, all of that relies on the cerebellum. And the cerebellum is pretty robust and hardy, really isn't subject to neural pruning, and um, for the most part does not require any active recall because there's no need for long-term potentiation. So, ladies and gentlemen, that about does it for today. I know today was a little shorter episode than the other than the other ones but again thank you very much Mike for your write-in I enjoy 
reading that. And uh, I hope that I hope this helps. I hope uh, maybe you can go into class one day and uh, you know bring this up in a discussion somehow. I don't know. <laughs> so thank you very much, Mike, for sending that in, and to all my viewers out there, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys have a fantastic Friday, and I will see you guys all on Monday. Remember, stand up and question everything. Thank you.